Welcome to the Connect Hearing and Diabetes Qualified Podcast. Hi, I'm Angela Blair. I'm a credentialed diabetes educator with Diabetes New South Wales and ACT. And I'm here today with Chris, who's an audiologist from Connect Hearing. And we're going to talk about not just hearing loss, but hearing loss associated with diabetes. One of the things I'm really interested in is hearing loss and diabetes. And so this is a great opportunity to hear from you, Chris, about why suddenly diabetes and hearing loss is linked. It wasn't in the past. Firstly, how true is it that hearing loss is just part of getting older? Certainly, the older you are, the more likely you are to have a hearing loss. So when we look across the general population in Australia, it's about one in six people, Angela, have a hearing loss. Uh, But once you get over the age of 60, it's around about one in two. Uh, And as age progresses, that incidence increases until over the age of 80, it's around about 80% of the population will have some form of hearing loss. But I guess the the issue is, is hearing loss just part of getting older? And And I think the just has that implication that, well, you know, there's nothing that we should do about it or could do about it. Uh, when in fact hearing loss has so many uh, impacts on people's overall quality of life that it's not, it shouldn't be seen as just something that happens as you get older, but rather something that can be dealt with as we get older. So is it different for people living with diabetes? Certainly people with uh, living with diabetes are much more likely to have a hearing loss. So over the last 10 years, there's been a number of large scale studies uh, that have looked at the relationship between diabetes and hearing loss. Uh, And what those studies have tended to show is that you are around about two to two and a half times more likely to have a hearing loss if you're also living with diabetes. So, for example, there was a large study conducted in Japan just a few years ago. Around about 40,000 people uh, were tested. Uh, 15,000 of those were people living with diabetes and 25,000 were um, without diabetes. And when we corrected for all other factors such as um, general health, smoking, noise exposure, all those things that we know also can uh, increase the incidence of hearing loss, once that was all corrected for, uh, it was 2.3 times more likely to have a hearing loss if you also had diabetes. How do you think hearing loss impacts on a person's life, not just for a person living with diabetes, I guess, because it's going to be much the same hearing loss as hearing loss, but for people with a hearing loss. I think one of the important things to understand in answering that question is when we think about hearing loss, we're not really thinking about the ears. Hearing loss is so much more than that because a problem with your hearing, Angela, is essentially a problem with relationship and communication. So when you have a hearing loss, uh, your ability to communicate freely with other people begins to break down. And as a result of that, your relationships start to break down. So what we see uh, is people with hearing loss tend to become more socially isolated because they start to avoid situations where uh, it is difficult to hear. So um, they might be invited to go out to dinner and they don't want to go out to a restaurant because they find when they're in a restaurant it's just too difficult to hear. They stop going to parties because, again, you know they're going to find themselves in situations where they struggle to hear. So the natural thing to do, whether you're aware you've got a hearing loss or not, is start to avoid those sorts of situations. So we see people uh, with hearing loss start to become socially isolated. But probably the number one thing that I hear from people uh, with hearing loss is that they are frustrated. And if they're not frustrated, their loved ones are frustrated. So I can't tell you the number of times I've sat in my clinic here with a couple, husband and wife, arguing about what's happening with hearing loss in their their, um, communication and their relationship. 
blaming each other for problems and breakdowns in communication. And for me, as someone who's here to help people with hearing loss, I actually find that quite sad when people have you know, started to withdraw, when they're fighting with their, their partner over the television volume or over whether there's really a hearing problem or whether, you know, the gentleman's wife just speaks to him when he's when she's got a head in the cupboard and that sort of thing. These are the sorts of things that start to break down. And it affects spontaneous communication as well. So if you think about you know, sitting on the couch with your, with your partner, watching television together, what's one of the things you'll naturally do? You want to talk about what you're watching. If a person with hearing loss is struggling to hear the TV in the first place, they're not going to hear their partner's comments either. And so they might be making a little wise crack about something that just happened and that's completely missed. So we mm. see this breakdown of spontaneous communication and so that leads to frustration in the relationship. And it extends so much more than that. So uh, we hear of people who, you know, their family won't call them on the telephone anymore because it's just too hard to carry on a conversation. Um, had a lady uh, probably about two months ago where both of her children live overseas and they've stopped talking to her because that's just not worth it. It's just too hard. So they wait till they come out and visit and can talk to her face to face. And and that's a sad situation to get into uh, and something that if we can do anything to avoid that, then we will. Beyond those sort of relationship side of things, uh, we see hearing loss has a whole range of other impacts on people. It's strongly associated with an in, a decreased quality of life, and that's because of that breakdown in socialisation and communication. Um, therefore, also an increase in mental health problems, depression, anxiety, uh, stress are all strongly associated with having a hearing loss. And there's also a lot of research at the moment, Angela, that is showing that uh, people with untreated hearing loss are much more likely uh, to develop dementia and are more likely to have an increase in the rate of um, dementia development. That's so interesting. I mean, it's something we don't even stop to think about. We tend to think that hearing is just not hearing. Exactly. But it's so much more than that. That's right. I guess as an educator, and I'm sitting with someone living with diabetes that I'm talking to, what what are some of the signs and symptoms I might pick up on that I could then suggest them, oh, you might need to have your hearing checked? Yeah, there's a few things that are really obvious. And I mentioned television before, and that's actually one of those really powerful things because television is one of those things where we can actually adjust the volume of what we're hearing. Uh, so one of the first signs is people with a hearing loss will be turning the volume up louder than others would like. Uh, so that's one thing to look for. Uh, the other thing is difficulty hearing and noise. Now, if any of us go to a really noisy restaurant, it can be hard to communicate. Uh, but people uh, with hearing loss are much more likely to have difficulty in in uh, those sorts of noisy environments. And that would be the number one comment I get from people who show up for a hearing, lo- uh, hearing test in the first instance uh, is saying, I'm having trouble hearing when I go out and I'm in noise. Some of the other things to look for is that if you feel that uh, you are having to repeat yourself more more than you should, um, then that's a real sign that the person you are talking with is not hearing so well. Um, difficulty hearing on the telephone is another very, very common uh, symptom of hearing loss. Is there like a tool that as an edu- educator I could use, like a, give the person like a checklist that they could say, oh, like I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, and then, oh, you need to have your hearing checked? There are a number of tools that we could look at. One of the best things, though, is a simple questionnaire, mm-hmm. a handful of questions that you can ask somebody or, or think about how somebody behaves and, and from that um, work out whether they should be referred for a hearing assessment. So the checklist to run thing, through things like, uh, you know, do you feel as though other people are mumbling? If people address you from another room or from a a few feet away, uh, do you hear what they say? Do you feel tired or irritated after long conversations? A whole bunch of other questions Mm. that will help uh, work out, is there a hearing loss? 
I mean, hearing loss could affect the quality of the education that we provide as well, especially if it's in a group situation. If that person isn't hearing, they're not picking up the information, can actually impact on their diabetes management. Oh, absolutely. If you are not hearing uh, the information that's being given to you by uh, an educator or healthcare provider, uh, then how can you follow instructions correctly? And there was a, there was a research study done, uh, it's probably a out seven years ago, 2011, that looked at exactly this issue. And it was found that people with hearing loss uh, were much less likely to be able to follow the care plan that their uh, general practitioner or, or healthcare professional had worked out for them. One of the things I'd like to know is, so how often should I recommend that someone has their hearing checked? Is it like once, once a year, once every two years, or when they think they've got some changes in their hearing? In normal circumstances, we'd recommend that people get their hearing tested every two years once they're over the age of 55 uh, because regular age-related hearing loss presbycusis uh, normally develops mid-50s. When it comes to people living with diabetes, however, uh, we'd suggest that uh, the hearing test gets put into the regular cycle of care. Uh, so every 12 months, they should be coming along to have their hearing tested. How exactly does diabetes impact hearing loss above just general hearing loss? Research has looked at the connection between uh, diabetes and, and hearing loss, but the actual mechanism that's uh, causing people with, uh, with diabetes to have a greater incidence of hearing loss is actually unknown. Uh, there are two possible causes that are, that are postulated in the research. Uh, one is that it could actually be uh, due to damage to the small blood vessels, uh, so damage to the capillaries in the ears. And we know that hearing nerves are very um, sensitive to oxygen levels, so anoxia uh, can very easily cause hearing loss. So it makes sense then that if there's damage to the capillaries and the small blood vessels, uh, that the lack of uh, there'll be a lack of oxygen going to the nerves, therefore increasing the, the incidence of nerve damage giving rise to hearing loss. Uh, so that's one theory. The other theory is whether it's neuropathy, so in the same way that you'll get um, tingling in the in the fingers or toes with diabetes, uh, is that same process affecting the actual nerve endings in the ear. We know that hearing loss is treated with hearing aids, and to me, and I'm you know not as up-to-date as I should be, but I guess hearing aids are big and bulky, but there's lots of other now better equipment that's on the market, I imagine, that can help people and support people that have got some hearing loss. Yeah, definitely. Maybe let me just start uh, for a moment just to go back a step. And uh, when we're talking about people living with diabetes and talking about age-related processes and all these other things, generally with hearing loss, Angela, what we're looking at is nerve damage. Mm -hmm. And the thing about nerve damage is there is no medical treatment. So we can't uh, look at surgery. We can't look at medication. Uh, there's no medical intervention as such that can help somebody who's got nerve damage to their hearing. So we need to look at what we call hearing rehabilitation, which is the provision of devices to assist hearing better and uh, psychosocial uh, counselling to help the person cope better with, with what they're experiencing. So when we look at hearing aids, there are a huge number of hearing aids. There's over 1,600 different hearing aids available in Australia. And the reason why there's so many is there are different sizes, there are different levels of sophistication, different brands and so on. So when somebody comes in to see me and we are, have identified that they have a sensory neural uh, hearing loss, then what we want to look at is, okay, what can we do? And we're going to look at a, a device generally that's going to help augment the sound that they're hearing. 
So in your question, you said, yeah, hearing aids are big and bulky. That's, I think, the most common perception. Most people think of grandma's hearing aids, and very commonly people will come in begrudgingly saying, look, okay, I've got to do something about my hearing, Chris, but I'm not keen on hearing aids. You know, my mother had a hearing aid 20 years ago, and it was huge, and I just can't imagine wearing that. And the reality is that's just not the case today. Uh, we have devices that are completely invisible. Uh, we have devices that are implanted down in the ear. Um, even those that go behind the ear tend to be very small, almost impossible to, to see unless someone is looking carefully. So very often you will know people who are walking around wearing hearing aids, but you won't know because you've never seen it. You know, right now, Angela, you could be wearing a pair of hearing aids and I would have no idea because they would not be visible on your ears. So that's good to hear, Chris. What puts people off going and having their hearing checked is the fear of having to wear a hearing aid. But if there's a lot of equipment now that's round that is discreet and, and can be carefully placed in the ear, then mm. that's going to make people more likely to get their hearing checked earlier and then seek some support Absolutely. with their hearing loss, which then improves their quality of life, how they manage their diabetes. So it's an, a spiral going to the positive rather than the negative for them then. Yeah, correct. And what we know with hearing loss is untreated hearing loss has all these uh, impacts on the person's overall quality of life, their mental health, their social interactions. So if you can do something about it, why not? And often there are these natural fears of having to wear a device, of thinking everyone's going to see that you're wearing hearing aids and what does that mean? And yet the reality is just so different to that. That's good news, isn't it? That's it's good news for us as health professionals, but it's also good news for people in general, but also people living with diabetes that may be experiencing hearing loss. Correct, yes. So when we want to see them have uh, a better quality of life, better management of their diabetes, if their hearing loss is having an impact on their ability to do that, let's do something about it. Say I wanted to have my hearing check, where would I go? Like what are my options to do that? Connect Hearing uh, is essentially a national network of, of hearing clinics and any Connect Hearing would be able to, to see you, to assess your hearing, uh, let you know what the problem is and let you know what the uh, solutions might be for that uh, issue that you're facing. Referrals aren't necessary. However, if your doctor has a specific concern, then it would be great to, uh, to have that referral uh, stating what that concern is. Uh, or alternatively, we'd see some people living with diabetes who are referred under a primary care plan and that's also a great idea. Does that cover pensioners and veterans as well? Because they often have a different funding access. That's right. Uh, pensioners and veterans are covered by a, an Australian government scheme called the uh, Office of Hearing Services Voucher Scheme. And in order to access that scheme, pensioners and veterans, DVA gold card holders or white card holders, uh, do require a referral from their GP. This has been great, Chris. So thank you very much for sharing your knowledge about diabetes and hearing loss. I know it's something that's new and it's something we've got to get our head around, but it's certainly important to add that into the, the mix of how we look after people living with diabetes going forward. We don't often think about hearing loss as part of part of our education. And I think should be the, really the first step. If someone's coming to see us and they can't hear, they're not going to take away the important information that they can make choices about how they manage their diabetes going forward. I'm certainly going to share this with my friends and colleagues that are diabetes educators, just about how important it is to refer people on to have their hearing checked, especially if they're over the age of, say, 50 and they've been diagnosed with diabetes. Thank you, Angela. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to the Connect Hearing and Diabetes Qualified podcast. For more information or to download the hearing loss fact sheet and patient checklist, head to diabetesqualified.com.au.